Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm so happy to be with you once again this morning. And it's uh, good to see all of you, even though I cannot see you physically. But I know that you're watching and uh, joining and tuning in this morning. So uh, before I start this morning's message, I just want to make two important announcements. The first one is... Um, Pastor Hilma is going on sabbatical and she'll be gone for the month of August and September and rejoin us in the beginning of October. Um, so do not be surprised if you don't see her around. Um, she just will be off for those two months. And then lastly, we are starting our prayer and fast today. So I hope you had a good breakfast. You shouldn't have. Uh, you should be fasting today. You should be joining us and really trusting God um, in this week. So I hope that you are putting your prayer request out. I hope your expectation is rising in your heart because God will certainly move in our midst as we fast and pray through this week. And so join us if you haven't started. It's never too late. Um, and we are looking forward to what God is going to do in this week. So... Over the last couple of weeks, we have been preaching on sp um, spiritual growth. And Pastor Chris spoke about it, and Pastor Hilma spoke about it, and it was really an amazing time. So what I do hope that what you have done over this last couple of weeks is that you have opened your heart for the Holy Spirit to minister to you and allow you to grow up in the areas where you might still be behaving like a child. I certainly had those areas. I remember um, when Pastor Chris was, uh, I think it was our first service, back in service, and he was speaking about um, the five areas of growth. And I remember right at the end of the, of the uh, sermon, he made us all stand up, and he asked us that, that the Holy Spirit convicts us in an area that we need to grow. And I remember standing to my feet and just experiencing the Holy Spirit convicting me in an area where I need to grow. And that was in my speech. And so I was pleading once again with the Lord, God, help me to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Help me to be slow to speak. Help me to watch over my speech. Help me to watch over what I say. Help me to uh, submit all my thoughts and take it captive um, and submit it unto your Lordship before I just speak and utter. And so that has really been growing me over the last couple of weeks. So this morning, um, I'm going to preach a message which is called, entitled, uh, The Life-Changing Discipleship. Life-Changing Discipleship. So how do we know that, or how does it look like, or how do we experience life-changing discipleship? And that's what I want to share with all of you this morning. And I'm really excited to share this uh, message with you. And it's a simple message, but if we take this and what all the things that have been said over the last couple of weeks, you will guarantee experience spiritual growth. So let's just define the title, Life-Changing Discipleship. What do I mean when I say that? Life-changing is it's transformational. It produces spiritual growth. So that's what I mean when I say life-changing. When I'm referring to discipleship, I'm referring to your relationship with God, your relationship with non-believers, and your relationship with other believers or your spiritual family. And that is what life-changing discipleship is. So 
But just a quick note before we run into this message. Life-changing discipleship does not come cheaply. It does come at a cost. Even though it might be a simple thing, it does come at a cost. And so in order for us to experience life-changing discipleship, we need to go through two phases. And the next scripture that we're going to unpack and look into will explain to us the two phases that we need to go through um, to experience life-changing discipleship. And if we do not go through the phases, so if you don't move from one phase to the other phase, you might do more harm to your spiritual walk than good. You might do more harm if you don't move from one thing to the other thing. It's like someone not, it's like a child not moving from grade one to grade two, or it doesn't grow up. There's harm being done. It's bad. It's not good. And so life changing discipleship is what all of us are after. And so I want to answer three questions throughout this sermon. So you can just write them down. And so the first question that we'll answer is, how do you and I, how do we experience life-changing discipleship? Um, Secondly, why do we not experience life-changing discipleship? And then lastly, what are the two uh, phases that I am referring to? And so just before we start, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive right into our verse. So let's close our eyes. Lord, I just want to thank you for this morning and that once again that you have given us the opportunity to gather around your word, Lord. Father, I pray wherever um, people may find themselves, whether on their couches, whether in bed, whether with other believers, or whether not, Lord, whether they're alone, Father, I pray that you do something in our hearts today. Father, I pray that you come and bring life-changing discipleship um, today, Lord. I pray that you impact our lives and what we have learned over the last couple of weeks with our series called Spiritual Growth. Lord, that now we implement, now we experience a transformational walk with you. Father, may you impact us all and God, may your spirit move through me as I speak and preach this morning. Amen. Amen. So our main text this morning is 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. And I'm reading from the ESV. It's a very short verse. So open your Bibles at 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. And it reads as follows. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's the verse we're going to look at this morning. So hear it again. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And this was Paul explaining it. So if you read the the, the previous two or three chapters, you'll actually see what he's explaining to be, to, that you should be imitating. But he comes to this point where he's telling the Corinthian believers, imitate me as I am imitating Christ. So how do we experience life-changing discipleship? The question you've got to ask yourself self is, are you an imitator? Are you an imitator? So he starts with saying, uh, be imitators. So there are a couple of places that we see in Scripture where Paul is telling people or other believers um, to imitate him or to imitate other believers uh, that is referring to other disciples. So Paul, in constantly throughout the, uh, the, the, the books that he has written and that we are reading currently, he was speaking about this idea of imitating. And I want to clarify what that means because it might not be what we think it is. And so... 
What Paul meant when he said, imitate me, he was saying, follow me or copy me. And now this is exactly what he was referring to. So, but when we look at the original disciples, they had the great privilege of following Jesus physically. Uh, while he was ministering all around Galilee, they could follow him physically. But the time when Paul arrived to the scene, uh, Jesus was no longer walking in flesh and blood. And so Paul is teaching the Corinthians believers that we follow Jesus by imitating other godly people. So we follow Jesus by imitating other godly people. So here's what Paul meant when he says, imitate me. When Paul mentioned, imitate me or follow me, he didn't just say, walk behind me. What he actually meant with imitating as someone, he's saying, become the very person that they are. Become the very person that they are. That's oftentimes when you look at a household or you look at a son to the father or daughter to the father, you always see some resemblance, some uh, traits or habits that the children are doing because the parents are doing it. That's an imitation. That's a following after the parents' example. They say things, they do things, they act in ways, they respond to situations because that's what they see their fathers or their mothers doing um, in the household. And in an exact same way in our spiritual life, if we want to uh, live life or have life-changing discipleship, we should be imitators. Um, we should be imitators. We should become the very person that we are following. And ultimately, that is Jesus. But you need people in your life that you could imitate that helps you to look more like Jesus. So let me give you four scriptures. Or oh, actually, I have yeah, four scriptures where Paul was um, speaking about imitating him or imitating other believers. 2 Timothy 3 verse 10 to 11, he says the following, You have followed my teaching or you have imitated my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. So imagine this, he says to, 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 to Timothy, he says, you have imitated my teaching. You have not just heard it, but you imitated, you walked according to my teaching, you, my conduct, even my aim of life, um, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings. Here another one, Philippians 3 verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So he says, brothers, imitate me, but also keep your eyes on those who walk according to what we have given them or how we have discipled them. Uh, Philippians 4 verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So what does imitation look like? It's things you're learning, it's things you're receiving, it's things you're hearing, and you're starting to practice them. You're starting to put them into your life. You're starting to imitate them. You're starting to do them um, in your own life. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 7 to 9 reads as follows, and I just took two uh, short verses out of it. It says, you yourself know how you out to imitate us. And then he continues a bit and he says, um, but we needed to give you in ourselves an example 
to imitate. So we need examples to imitate. We need people to look at and say, we need to imitate this. And imitation, to imitate someone requires dedication. Imitation, to imitate someone requires dedication. If someone, if we are going to imitate others, if you're going to experience life-changing discipleship, if you want your walk with God, your, your reach of non-believers, your spiritual family to really grow, you've got to take the life of someone and the teaching of someone and embrace that as your own. And it's a deliberate process. When we imitate someone else, it's not a random thing. It's a deliberate process where we follow someone and when this thing is fully formed we're a living copy of the master and i'm not saying that um the people in your life are your master but we become who they are and ultimately we become like jesus so if we're imitating someone we should become who they are but here's the catch in the bible we see two groups of people and you've got to find yourself in either of these groups. You've got to be left or right. No one can go left and right at the same time. When you come to a T-junction, you can choose left or right. But you cannot choose left and right. And here's where you're going to find yourself. Either currently in your life, you're an imitator, you're following after someone, or you're a spectator. And Jesus had both groups present in his time. Paul and them as well. There were many people spectating what they were doing. They enjoyed the crowd. They enjoyed the moment. But they never came to a place of imitating what Paul and them did. So there were many people that went after Jesus that spectated what he did and enjoyed the crowds and enjoyed the signs and enjoyed the wonders. But we see the disciples actually go out and perform the signs and wonders, preach the gospel and become exactly who Jesus were. And so you've got to ask yourself this morning, are you a spectator or are you an imitator? Are you imitating Jesus or are you spectating? And it's so, it, 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 it's so easy because you come to church and you can ask you the same question. Are you spectating or are you imitating? Are you spectating? You're enjoying the crowds, you're enjoying the moment, you're enjoying the songs, you're enjoying the music, you're enjoying the preaching and you go out and nothing changes. You're spectating. But if you're imitating, you're going out and saying, how do I become more like what was said? How do I implement that into my own life? And I remember the days when I was discipled. Um, I had, I, I'm giving really uh, mundane or, or really small examples, but I remember even just buying the books the person who discipled me um, and so the guy, the, the, the books he had, I would buy them. Or the, um, the way he marked his Bible when, when, he, when he's done reading a chapter, I would do the same. And those are very small things, um, but I was imitating. Or my, actually my picture of marriage was largely shaped by that guy. So the way I do my marriage, the way I saw marriage, the commitment to marriage, um, it's because someone taught me, I, it was imitated to me. The, if Probably when I, when I get children in the same way, I'll have certain things that already came from then, the way I was discipled because I was observing how that person was handling their children. So I was imitating and I'll continue imitating to the glory of God. So the first thing 
If you want to experience life-changing discipleship, you have to be an imitator. Imitator is someone who follows someone and actually becomes a copy, becomes an exact imprint of that person. That person changes in certain areas to become more like that person. So life-changing discipleship happens when we are imitators and not spectators. Here's the second point. Paul said, be imitators of me. So point number two is this. Who is your me and who are you being a me to? Who is your me and who are you being a me to? Now, if you say, yeah, but I don't need a me. Jesus had a me. Paul had a me. Timothy had a me. And let me show you these three things. Let me tell you who's Jesus' me. You might have guessed it. John 5 verse 19, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Whatever the Father does, that the Son imitates. In the exact same way the Father does it and sees it and speaks it, in the same way Jesus did it. So Jesus had a me, and that was God the Father. Paul had a me. Right at his conversion, um, Jesus met him, scales on his eyes. He's being led into the city, and a man called Ananias met with him. Ananias was one of Paul's me's. Acts 9 verse 90 to 20. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. So we see Ananias in the life of Paul, and we see other disciples in the life of Paul. And the moment he saw what they were doing, it says he immediately went into the synagogue. He immediately went to a service. He immediately went and go and preach that Jesus is the Son of God. Thirdly, let me show you Timothy. Timothy had a me. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 to 17, it says, I became your father in Christ Jesus. Be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. Paul says, I'm sending you, Timothy, because he will remind you of my ways in Christ. That means Timothy was living and walking in a way that Paul did. And when they looked at Timothy, they saw Paul. And that is exactly, we need to have a me. We need to have a person in our lives. So the great question is, who is your me and who are you being a me too? Who is going after you? Who is following you? And who are you following? Let me quickly just say, who is your me not? It's not a YouTube preacher. It's a bit random or a bit weird because you're listening to me on YouTube. But if you don't see my physical life, I'm not your me. And someone else who's on YouTube is also not your me because a me needs to be physical. There has to be a proximity. There has to be a closeness between the two of you. You've got to look at his life, see his life or her life, and you must be able to imitate that. And the person that comes after you also needs to look at you and see and see how you are doing. And so I had a couple of me's in my life. And I remember the first guy who discipled me was Rudolf. Um, it was a guy that took me through the one-to-one -one, and he discipled me. And then I had another guy, 
Alex, um, who also discipled me. And I remember a story um, on my wedding day. The day after my wedding, Alex was preaching in Every Nation Dorado. And I remember someone, someone coming into the week, uh, coming in, in the week to me and says, now I see why you are the way you are. Now I see why you preach the way you preach. And that is because I was discipled by someone and there's a certain ways, there's certain things that he does that I also do because that is how I was trained or that's how I was brought up. And my understanding of certain things, my walk with certain things, my reaching out or my methods of reaching out could also have been picked up from that person. But I also remember other people like uh, Pastor Simon, if you know, let her follow, who leads our Every Nation Rosebank congregation was a meet to me, and he's actually currently a meet to me. Even though we don't meet physically, he also teaches me and shares with me and equips me and sharpens me. And then, I, then some of your me's might not even be in your life every day. And here's an example of mine. I had Pastor Roger coming over. Um, he was here in Every Nation Dorado for a time. I think he did our ENLI Bible School graduation and he preached a sermon. And I only remember picking him up from, from, the, off, uh, from the airport and taking him to the airport. And all I had from him that I wanted to imitate was his humility. So in my time with him, all I could see is, yes, how can a man be as humble as this? And so what happens there? I see that and I said, I want to follow that. I want to look after that. I want to have some of that in my own life. But then it doesn't end there. I just didn't have a lot of me's in my life, but I called people to come after me. I called people to follow me. I said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So I want to go back to the three questions that I asked you earlier. How do you experience life-changing discipleship? You have to be an imitator of someone. That might be a connect group leader. That might be other leaders as well that's in your area, uh, in your influence. That might be people around you, but we got to have a me. Secondly, why do we not experience life-changing discipleship? Because we are spectators. We are spectators. So we spectate. We come to service. We come to events. We come to passion. I just to spectate. But it never really impacts our life and what are the two phases that i was referring to the first phase is be an imitator of someone but your imitation of someone has to move beyond the person to ultimately point to christ your imitation of that person is merely a window to christ you want to see more of jesus as you follow that person and one of the things that I'm assured of that is a great hindrance to many people's spiritual growth is that they expect more of the people that they're imitating than they expect of Christ. So all their imitation, all their needs and all their wants, they place it on the person, maybe their connect group leader, and expecting you should solve all my things. But imitation is helping you to go further than that person and actually start imitating Christ himself. And that leads me to my last point. The imitation of the me always points to Christ. And this is the part that we got to God. The imitation of me always points to Christ. So 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
And so the most important thing about imitation is that it points us right through to Jesus. And that's the one thing we need to God is that Jesus is at the center of everything. The moment you make the person that you're after, the person discipling you, the person that you're in your connect group with, the me or the thing, you're missing Christ. That person is merely your window, it's merely your, your, your bridge to Christ to see what Christ wants to do in your life. So think of this, and this is what we guard against as we're imitating someone and as someone imitates us. Think of this, what have you lost in your life that has been extremely valuable? What have you lost in your life that has been extremely valuable? I remember um, Pastor Caroline sharing with us that she has lost her hard drives with all her family photos on, and that was extremely painful or extremely a sad moment in her life. Now take a moment and imagine this. Imagine we lose Jesus at the center of what we do. Imagine we lose Jesus at the center of what we do. So now I want to read us a scripture in Luke 2 verse 41 to 44. Where it showed how easily we can lose just due to religion. And if attending church and coming to connects and going to passion nights and encounter nights and everything we do just becomes a custom. We're in danger um, of losing Jesus at the center. Listen to the story. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Remember that word, custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for one day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and their friends. So as we're imitating people, and it should always point to Christ, the moment all of this becomes religious, we're in danger of three things. Let me give you three things we note here. Firstly, they lost Jesus by doing religious duty. You might come to service, you might go to connect, you might go to Passion Night, you might go to all the things we do as a church, and it's merely your religious duty. It will not be a life-changing moment. Secondly, they lost Jesus and they didn't even know. And then lastly, thirdly, it says, it was saying, um, thinking he was in their company. That means they assumed Jesus was still with them. And here's the danger you and I can face. Here's the blockage to our life-changing discipleship is we are assuming because we go to church, because we go to connect, or because we go to Passion Night, or because we go to um, uh, Encounter Night, or whatever trainings, making disciples training, and all these things, you assume that just because you go there, Jesus at the center of what you're doing. You might just be a spectator and not an imitator. You might have lost Jesus at the center because for years and years you're thinking and you're going through the rhythms of church, but you're not going saying, Christ, are you still at the center of what we do? And so for us to experience life-changing discipleship, we don't want to assume if Jesus is at the center because it will be a devastating loss if we come to a stage in our life or a point in our lives and realize he was never at the center. 
He was never there. I enjoyed the crowds. I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the small fellow. I enjoyed when they were all about my needs and looking after me in the small groups. But Jesus never became, I never became who Jesus is. I never imitated him. I merely spectated. So life-changing discipleship is when we move away from the person who's discipling you and be following Christ. It's when we move away from the person and follow Christ. Think of a child. A child is heavily dependent on the, on the father and the mother up to a certain point. But they, oh, and then they, the child overtakes the parent and the, oh, the mother and the father and actually becomes their own person. They start sustaining themselves, looking after themselves. And then they grow up and get married and they grow up and get married and then get children and then the same process continues. And that's exactly what discipleship is like. It is us having someone in our lives that is helping us to grow up and move beyond to a point where we are calling others to come after us so that they can grow up. And that cycle just continues. And that is only possible when Jesus is at the center. And we might experience great dissatisfaction in church in our groups, wherever we might go, the moment we start expecting from people more than we're expecting from God, the moment we're expecting people to sort out more of our stuff, then God should sort out things for us. So how do we experience life-changing discipleship? Firstly, we've got to be imitators. We've got to actually embody. We actually become who Jesus is. And that's made possible through me. People in our lives that we walk closely with, we can observe their lives, we see things they do, and they point us to Christ. I remember so many days where I walk with people or um, the people that influence my life and I go back home and say, God, I just want more of that. I just want more of you. I saw that in this. I, I noticed this. I want more of that. Change that in me. God, I want to have more delight in your scripture because the way they speak about scripture. And that is, I want to reach more people the way their testimonies and sharing. And that is merely pointing me to Jesus. True life-changing discipleship points us to Jesus. And so yes, in closing, you've got to ask yourself, are you currently imitating or spectating? And then who's the me's in your life and who's the me's following you? Who's the people you're calling? Who's the people you're reaching? Who's the lost that do not know Jesus saying, come after me, look at my life. And is your walk with those that you're discipling or the walk with the people that are in your life are you always pointing them to christ or have you become christ for them and this is what we got to answer if we want life-changing discipleship if you want to have a a, 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 a rich walk with god and a rich walk with non-believers and a rich walk with your spiritual family we've got to be imitators that are following people and people following us and christ has to remain at the center so let me close for us in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you for every person who is listening to this. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you will come and help us experience life-changing discipleship.
Lord, discipleship is not a program or a process. It's a lifestyle. It's us embodying you. It's us falling off you. It's us being students of you. Not students merely listening and learning knowledge, God, but actually becoming the very person you are. Father, I pray that more people will join in connect groups. More people will be discipled, Lord. More people will come to church with you at the center. More people will come to church not spectating God, but imitating God, who you are, Lord. Enjoying spiritual family, enjoying Um, Lord, seeing the world being transformed, seeing the lost being saved. Father, may may we experience this life-changing discipleship. Father, may we take what we have learned over the last couple of weeks and may we imitate that. God, may we help others to see those things in us and may it always point to you, Jesus. Lord, may everything we do point to you. Father, I thank you for every person that has listened, every person that still will listen, God, that you would just be with them. Lord, I pray that you will touch our hearts and God, that from today on we'll not be the same. Father, I pray that if someone is not in a connect, they get connected and join the spiritual family. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So thank you for watching. Um, And so we're just going to have a short moment of communion as this is the first Sunday of the month and always every first month, uh, every first Sunday of the month, we have communion so you can get the communion elements ready and then i'm going to just lead us into a moment of breaking bread together um, and just really remembering what jesus did for us on the cross and trusting him to come and do life-changing things in our hearts so yes if you're at home with other people or in bed get your communion elements ready and then we will start this communion so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read for us a scripture and I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to read a scripture and I'm going to pray a prayer as we take the two different elements so this is really um, a really important moment as we remember our Lord and Savior so 1 Corinthians 11 verse 24 reads as follows Jesus said Uh, Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this is my body, which is for you, for you and I who are believers in Christ. um, Do this in remembrance of me. So before we take the bread, I'm going to just read for us a prayer or pray a prayer over us. So let's close our eyes. Christ Jesus, when you came into this world, you said to the Father, Sacrifices and um, sacrifices and offering you have not desired, but you, but a body you have prepared for me. A burnt offering and a sin offering you have not taken pleasure in. Then you said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. You came in the incarnation and by a single offering of your body on the cross you have achieved what all the offerings of the Jewish altars could never ever achieve the complete forgiveness of our sins the bread of heaven as we now partake in the symbol ravish our hearts and refresh our souls in the name of Jesus amen you may partake of the bread And then 
as you remember Jesus, will partake of the blood of Jesus. And the verse follows 1 Corinthians 11 verse 25. It says in the same way, he also took the cup of the supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, remembering what I have done. So once again, I'm going to pray for us over the cup and then we're going to partake it together. Our gracious God, we thank you this day for the new covenant, the covenant sealed through the blood of Jesus Christ, your son. And we drink this cup in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice and our sins, asking him even now uh, through the spirit to commune with us as we commune with each other. We are with grateful hearts, O Christ, we drink of you and, and to you. Amen. So let's take the cup together as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. So thank you for watching. And I really hope the sermon blessed you. If you're not connected, get connected with us. Follow us on our social media platforms. And during this time, stay prayerful, stay in Jesus, and be imitators and not spectators. We love you, and I really, really hope this time blessed you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.